This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by Damien McDonald. It is Tuesday, the 22nd of March, 2022. This is episode 203. Damon, how's it going? We are great. We are wonderful. We are swell. We are living life. We spent 875 hours on Duran Duran tickets. We are good. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> did for one show. For one fucking show. Madison Square Garden. Sixth row. Sixth row, but uh, yep. Can't believe that price tag. They are they are ludicrous. Uh, they have that <laughs> middle aged housewife <laughs> target demographic who married into a very rich family. Uh, they got that good seats. How's the, the the sights? I mean, would you say you have a, a view to a kill? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense. <laughs> I no, it does. Uh, it's uh yeah oh you're 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 notorious for these <laughs> these puns um i'll just get better and better at them they, they think it's good yeah so they uh i think before last show they announced they were coming around and i was like all right let's see what we can do and they have this goofy thing where they uh, I, I guess they do it to ward off scalpers but or touts or whatever they're called anywhere where you live. But um, yeah, you have to, like all the decent seats are considered like, well, first of all, you have to pay 35 bucks to be a member of their fan club, right? Then you pay a fee for the right to purchase said ticket. So there's like a 200, 300, depending upon what, what row you're in, just right up front, that's not even buying the tickets and then buying the tickets. So it's like <laughs> ridiculous amount of money for a sea of band that are in this alternative. Like otherwise, it you know you're they all getting hoovered up within seconds by uh, yeah. bots and scalpers, aren't they? Yep, yep. It's exactly what it is. So it's like you just you just fucking you just do it. And that's what I did. I did it. Mm. I'm thorough. I, you know, I'm happy. It should be. It should be a really great night. And I never saw him in Madison Square Garden. So, um, and that's like I don't know. Like back when they were the massive, they, it was like that was a big thing. That Madison Square Garden show. So, oh well, pastrami sandwich and see how they, <laughs> <laughs> they stack up. Relive some, relive some memories, huh? Yeah, should be a good time. Should be a good time. So yeah, that that was my uh, that was my winning week. Yeah, uh, I was just sharing with you off the air. My <laughs> winning week, maybe not so winning week, off on a field trip with my, my class. So oh my this is why we're recording earlier this week, because I didn't want to bring all the equipment with me. And I was terrified of the prospect of recording the podcast in a, an adjacent hotel room to one of my students who might hear it. <laughs> so that's why we're doing this on a Tuesday morning for me. Yeah, we figured we'd knock it out. Plus, we, it's, it's a lot of these shows are going to be fresh in our minds. So, um, yeah, it was uh, – I heard that. How many, how many total – Students will be with you on this trip? 13. 13. And the average age is? Uh, they're grade five. So oh, my what, God. 11 years old. 
Oh, my goodness. And how long is this journey? Four hours. Oh, my goodness, guy. I can't believe it. I, I would never be. I would. I would. I could never do it. Never. You know what I would do? I would meet him there. I would be like, all right, I'm going to get, uh, I'm, I'll catch a flight. I'll meet you there. <laughs> Jerk offs. Um, well, that's going to be a heck of a, I mean, I mean, let me, let's, I'll set the over under number at a half an hour, half an hour before you got to stop. And every, oh, is there a bathroom on the bus? Can I ask? No, we'll probably make a stop oh. halfway, I imagine. Halfway? You, you ain't going to get an hour and you're going to be stopping. You kidding me? Uh, oh, dear, already, God. it's five minutes past five. We've already got an Esther running. Okay, um, Damon, can oh, you no. just go Here on a go. monologue for a few minutes? I'm going to deposit. I certainly can. Uh, what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll plug something that I was supposed to plug last week. Um, that uh, we, we, I tried to remind you, but um, we still forgot. So um, our our good friends at Keeping It Strong Style, uh, they're doing some uh, meetup. Um, now, I would say go to their website or go to their Twitter account or wherever they do their thing because go to Uncle Damon. <laughs> I don't have this text in front of me. Um, so go to their Twitter account. I'm sure they'll have all the info, but it's for the Tampa New Japan show. They're going to meet up at a brewery. So um, that's going to be a good time. A couple beers, talk some New Japan pro wrestling. and um, right, I'm back. Sorry. No problem. Uh, and uh, so, again, go to their Twitter account, and you'll be able to find all the deets and all the specific wrapping around the New Japan show in Florida. So have fun with that. Okay. A uh, little bit of news today. Uh, did you see that AEW now have this working relationship with DDT? Wow. We had a question from Mark who says, how likely is it that New Japan would stop working with AEW now that they're in bed with direct competition if it is TJPW and Noah as well as DDT? And can they afford to do that? Mm. Good question. Um, I did see that. I don't. Um, here's the thing. I don't know what that relationship might look like and i don't know how well here's the thing number one new japan has worked with with ddt in the past right so you know it's it that's that's not a completely weird concept that that the two promotions would work together i remember you know hiroshi tanahashi being on there or the, their shows and uh of course of course koto Ibushi and of course others um so that's not too strange um now, that was a little bit ago. It was probably about five years ago, I want to say, at least. So I don't know if uh, times have changed from the Harold reign to what we have now, but um, I can't I can't imagine it being that big of a deal. Uh I, I think I think plans and here's the thing too. New Japan said that they wanted to work with a whole bunch of different people and open doors and all that stuff. Well, you know, it's not like other promotions aren't going to have other agreements, working agreements. So, you know, if, if you're if you're true to your word, then that shouldn't be a problem. So, uh, to answer the question, I would say in these troubling hashtag troubling times, uh, I think all all bets are off with when it comes to. Uh, sticking to those traditional norms of, you know, agreements and all that stuff. So I think, I think we're safe here. All right. Well, let's get into the wrestling itself. Then what I thought we'll start with uh, new Japan strong. I thought it was a very good episode actually. 
Uh, we opened up with a stray dog army against uh, Kita, Fred J. High, and DKC. Uh, I was really impressed by the confidence and tenacity of Kita here. I think he's a guy who's got a good future with the company. Uh, DKC reminds me a bit of a, a young ELP in this match. A lot of high-flying stuff, a bit of swagger. Uh, and I always enjoy seeing stray dog army teaming as a trio because... They're such a weird mix of wrestlers, but they, they've got pretty good synergy and they're improving. So uh, Fred Yehai uh, got a bit of a spotlight here. He's very fun to watch. I uh, hope they can find a bigger role for him. So I was encouraged here to see him pick up the win. Looks like he's going to move on to a singles feud with Bateman. Um, he's got a really unique style, Damon. That's got uh, He's got that great attribute of a moveset that looked like they hurt, which is always mm. a bonus. So another really strong six-man uh, opening match from New Japan Strong that, that delivers bags of entertainment. They, they, they don't miss with these multi-man tag matches. Um, second match was Chris Bay against Blake Christian. And yeah, I really feel like Strong, they're amassing a nice little crew of high flyers and, and juniors here. I know it's open weight and they don't make that distinction, but uh, you know, I'm hearing really good things about Blake Christian against Swerve from the, the recent tapings. And then you know, you also got guys like Alex Zane and Leo Rush, if, if he's still working, assuming. So I think every time you have one of these tapings, you're going to get a fun high-flying singles match like this, which makes me think ahead to, to be excited for a potential Super J Cup this year. I don't know if they're planning on doing one, but I think they could make that into a big live event. I think that could do quite decent numbers if they do it all in one night. Anyway, yeah. I thought this match was really good. Uh, finish could have been a bit crisper. It took a few seconds for me and, and a bit of help from Ian Riccoboni to figure out what happens, but uh, in spite of that, this is it's good. It's good fun. Good high flying action. And main event here, I thought this was excellent. Actually, Me too. Buddy Matthews uh, defeating Ren Narita. So there was a, just a, a little ongoing story with it. With uh, Ren at the start being a, a patronising little shit, basically, which was brilliant. Him sort of patting uh, Buddy Matthews on on the shoulder, which really pissed off Buddy. And then Ren eating all the kicks. He's got this massive grin on his face and. I don't know, man. Ren, he, he really looks like he's just about putting it all together. The, the striking looks vicious. The suplexes, they've always been a strong point. And now he's showing some attitude. The, the pacing is improving. The, the submission transitions are smooth. I just, I really feel that this is a guy who is going to get a big push when he's back in Japan. Uh, so I know everyone talks about like Shota Umino and Yu Uemura, but don't don't sleep on Ren Narita. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling in this company. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. just 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 to touch on that. The, the the one thing that I that I find disappointing though when it comes to strong is um you know how back in <laughs> you know how back before strong uh a guy would go out on excursion and he would come back with something fresh and 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 new um to kind of jump start their their next phase of their career. And have we really seen that since Strong has started? Mm. Well, I mean, we've I mean, seen people with we, new we gear, have... you know, but. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think we're going to see, like, an evil, right? Or a great Okan come out of Strong, are we? Yeah, I suppose that's a good point, really. I hadn't really considered that, that we're looking for people there on excursion and often. You do see people trying out new gimmicks when they're doing that. Not always successful. Sometimes they go back on them. Like I'm not asking for tempura boys to be uh, <laughs> right. popping up. You know, the next iteration of that on strong. But yeah, I mean, Clark Connor's coming out one week. Oh, he's got a bit of grey on his trunks. Right. Uh, oh look, uh, Carl Fredericks has got new gear. Oh, 
gay kid is now wearing different trunks and he says he's graduated. Like I, I would like a bit more fanfare. And yeah, maybe a few more colourful gimmicks would be nice. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, we don't know if that's going to be the case because we haven't really experienced a, you know, a big name younger lionish person you know you know the the focal point of strong going over to cork and hall and or and wherever de- debuting a new thing like uh watanabe and evil uh hiromo whatever the case may be um and again maybe we will get that but but that's one thing that i just was really pondering uh, you know especially while watching this match was like, okay, so is this, is this what Ren will be? And is this who, you know, any others that, that, that are there? Is that, is that who they're going to be? Um, unless again, you know, we're wrong. And, and when they do debut, there'll be a new coat of paint on them. Yes. It seems like the trend at the moment is slightly different colored trunks and they're now named after an animal. So <laughs> let's see if we could get anything more than that. Uh, I don't know. With, with Ren, I suppose his whole thing has been that he is the uh, Shibata avatar. So for, for him, I think the simplicity of the black trunks works. But for, for other people, yeah, it would be nice to see them think out of the box a bit. But um, we'll see going forward. Um, I mean, back to this match, I thought Big Match Buddy did not disappoint here at all. Him and his ridiculous pectoral muscles. Uh, I thought the finish was great here. I loved it where... It looks like Buddy's going to show some compassion. And he started, you know, Ren sort of trying to stagger to his feet and Buddy's doing that sort of reluctant look like, oh, I was going to curb stomp this guy, but now I'm not so sure. And then I got really annoyed. I was like, oh, don't do this shit. I hate when people do this in wrestling matches. They were like, oh, I don't want to do my wrestling move on another right. wrestler. I don't want to hurt him. Right. <laughs> but then, and then just like Ren's staggering to his knees and it just looks like Buddy's going to show a bit of compassion there and doesn't go for the second curb stomp. But instead, just lets Ren survive long enough to give him the little fuck you pat on the shoulder return and kneeing him in the teeth. It was great. Like the hubris coming back to bite Ren in the ass. A, a terrific little self-contained story. So if you haven't seen this match, I would uh, strongly recommend you you check it out because it was very good. Yeah, def- definitely. You texted me that and I made sure I got, got that in before we recorded today. So, yep, absolutely would highly recommend it. Uh, circling back to your point you made a couple of minutes ago, Classic Cat says, assuming they have visas, when do you think the LA Dojo guys debut? And do they debut as a faction or individually? I mean, they look, they could completely go, compl- you know, something completely different from what we've seen on Strong and just decide to do a totally new faction or debut with another faction. I, it's hard to say. I don't think anybody knows at this point. Um, I think... The easiest way to go would be to 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 debut as themselves, and I don't know if they would be all be paired together. I mean, you know, you would think Lawler and, and all his guys would be together, and they wouldn't split that up. I mean, that, that's working too well. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you got a guy like Carl Fredericks, who's known there. You know, you got a guy like. Uh, Clark Connors, who's no one there. So it's not like I don't know. I mean, I hate to be so wishy washy on it, but they have more ways to go, and and it's kind of an unknown. Like with strong, it kind of makes it hard to have that 
re-debut in that that new thing. I mean, it's pro wrestling. You can do it. You can do just about fucking anything. Why not? But how it will be done, I don't even think they know right now. Yes, there's so many moving parts to this. It's a really fluid situation. So I I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose we'll move on to the main roster here. And this is kind of a general thought. It's just a, a vibe I'm getting from watching these New Japan Cup shows that it feels like we're moving towards something. It feels like maybe the company knows something that we don't, whether that's with regards to international travel or crowd restrictions changing. But just... It, it was that show that was on, uh, when was the Korakuen show? It was Friday. Mm. And it just felt a bit different. Again, we'll touch on that when we talk about the matches from it itself. And just the way that they're booking it, where they're throwing, you know, we're down to the final four and it's all big names and there's big matches everywhere, which doesn't usually happen with a New Japan Cup. So I don't know if this is just them thinking, oh, fuck, we need to sell a lot of tickets at Osaka Joe Hall. Or if this is them thinking, Okay, we've got a lot of new talent on the way. You know, these guys have got visas. The the cheering's going to be starting soon, so we can you know burn through these big matches with the guys that we've got, and we've got a load of fresh stuff around the corner. Are you do you feel that we're sort of close to something happening, or is this just me huffing on the hopium? No, I mean, I, I, I you could see it in the crowds. You could see it, you know, even with the guys in the ring. It does feel different. Like I've, I feel sorry for people that haven't been following along in the New Japan Cup because this is a great time to get back on board. And I'm not just saying that just to get the the wheels greased and and get us moving into the spring and the summer months. It's it's there. Like you I, it, you can feel it, and it's almost as though the crowds have had are just like, okay, enough. You know what? We're, we're, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to take things into our own hands because there are moments where they are making noise. Now, it's not noise like you got before or noise like you'll get you know, in the U.S. or anything like that, but it does feel that way. Um, and 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 it these big matches, again, undercards and well, you know what? Not even the undercards because there is plenty of stuff going on. Even on the the the, the mid card scene, along with the New Japan Cup matches, like like it, it does feel like we're we're moving in the right direction, and I feel like we've been moving in the right direction for a while, but it's been a slow grind. I really feel like this thing's ready to fucking take off at any moment now. I really do. Yeah, there've just been little signs from the commentary team, and there was that Tanahashi promo last week where he was talking that he couldn't. Was he like he couldn't high five a little girl or something, and he was breaking down into tears? It just—I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm just getting the sense that they have a, a rough end date in mind for this, like to to have the cheering back. But I don't know. I could could be crazy here, but that's just the feeling that I'm getting. That there is seems to be a lot of optimism in the air. Uh, so well, let's talk about the New Japan Cup itself then. So Thursday, March 17th in Shizuoka, first tournament match we had was. Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Great Khan in 20 minutes and three seconds with his finishing move, uh, our favourite. You can't play Conkers in England. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? Can you help me with that? Uh, Conkers is a game where you get a horse, I think it's horse chestnuts, and attach them to a string and then swing it really hard against someone else's and whoever's Conker breaks is the loser. Oh. Uh, but I don't know why 
he's saying you can't play conkers in England because I used to play conkers in England. It was fine. Esther's come back. What? What do you want? Yes, it's a fish. It's a fish on my t-shirt. You want to be on the podcast? Hi, baby. So, baby Esther. Uh, this was actually Tangaloa was on commentary. He was very, very quiet at first, but uh, he grew into it. I thought it was quite a good bit at the end. Um, so this match started with the usual grapple fight between these two, but I thought it escalated nicely uh, with that moment that they rolled to the floor with a dual heel hooks, which was cool. Uh, Kevin Kelly told the story of the match well with Great O'Conn using more rule-bending style that he's picked up from being with United Empire to get the advantage on the outside. Uh, I thought Zach sold his knee well. And I, I always enjoy those moments where he baits his opponent into a striking battle. And you all know that he's eventually going to lure them in and counter with wacky submission. But that anticipation, like when he's going to do it, that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the little counters here. The spear countered into the arm submission. Like just when you think you've seen it all from Zach, he comes up with something new. And and likewise, I thought uh, Kray Khan using his claw to the injured knee, that was a very, very goofy, but I love it. Uh, I love that about Khan. And yeah, exactly the same finish as their G1 match with that. Uh, flash armbar uh, locked in and, and Great O'Conn taps straight away. And I said it last week with the doggy match, but what I love is when they tap straight away. You don't do the cliche struggle for the rope. Oh, can he get there in time? Oh, no, he can't make it. Just tap, just like, ow, this hurts. Tap, 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 tap. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed the finish. I do have slight concerns about Great O'Conn. I mean, is he losing credibility by not winning any of these matches? Like, did missing that Ibushi win hurt him, do you think? I think he's drastically becoming mid-card guy. I, I hate to say it. Um, in ring, you see glimmers of what I think everyone was projecting him to be in a few years' time. And then there's other times where it's like, oh, okay, does he have all of his I's dotted and T's crossed? Um, the wins have not come. I don't know. He feels very mid card to me right now. And, and again, new Japan's very good at, at turning up the flames and, and warming people up. And, and uh, I think going into this, I didn't think he had a chance. Even though on the show last week, we had four matches. We, you know, we had three guys out of the four that we felt were going to go. We felt strongly were going on, and Okan was that guy that was like, eh, probably, probably not, right? I didn't think he had a chance going to this fucking. <laughs> I really didn't. He just, it just felt so fucking middle of the road, and I felt bad for him because I don't know. He needs a big win, and and that hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah, they're obviously not in any hurry with him. I don't know. Maybe they're just either taking his time, taking their time with him because he's, you know, he's. How old is Great O'Connor? Actually, I should look that up. Uh, I would say twenties, right? Yeah. So you know, it's not like I think he's, you know, irredeemably booked into oblivion here. Like any time they want, they can heat him up. Okay, so he's born in nineteen ninety one. So yeah, he's got definitely got time on his side. But uh, yeah, it just it seems maybe they're not as high on him as we initially thought, which is fine. I mean, he's got time on his side. Um, he does, anyway. but but every single high-profile match, like, give me, I don't, I can't think of his, like, the biggest high-profile match he's he's won. And every time we sit here, we talk about that, you know, well, we think that's, that this is going to be it, this is going to be it, this is going to be it, and it kind of never happens. The Naito match in last year's cup, I suppose. Yeah, that's probably it. 
yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why it feels so, uh, so slow in coming because this is kind of what they do anyway. You know, you know what I mean? I don't know what I'm waiting, what I'm thinking is going to happen here because it rarely does it. I guess, I don't know. Give me other guys that are, that have been in that same position that haven't gotten the big win. Maybe Osprey. Well, Osprey was a junior. Jay White. But Ocon's not Jay White. Yeah, I think just we're all so desperate. And this is something we talked about when we were reviewing the Wrestle Kingdom Night 3, the Noah show, that if we're looking at the sort of top single, well, the, I guess the youngest singles heavyweight Japanese wrestlers, we're looking at guys like, you know, apart from Okado, who else have we got? Evil, Sanada, Okan. Right? Sanada not- doesn't feel that. He's How old is fucking Sanada? What thirty one or something? This, this is my point. Like they're not, they're not particularly young, you know, right? Compared to other companies, so we we are missing out on those sort of hot young singles Japanese heavyweight wrestlers in their early to mid twenties. Like they're, they're, that is a gap in the roster, and yeah, we've got them coming up with the young lines. But I think because there is that gap, we're sort of looking at a guy like Okan, wanting him to be sort of that guy, maybe yeah. hot shotted into that spot when maybe he's not ready for it. I don't know. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, again, it, uh, here's what I don't want. I don't want him to be fucking sitting in the middle, you know, how guys were in the, you know, your Maccabees and your fucking Ishis and, you know, the, that middle of the pack. That's where he, uh, evil <laughs> before House of Torture. Um, I just don't want him to be sitting in that fucking mix um, or at least give him a shot, you know, near upper mid card. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he's losing a step. And it could just be my impatience. Uh oh, somebody's yelling. He's on Paul. He is on mute. There must be an accident. There must be there must be something going on. Yeah, she, the- doesn't, she can't decide if she wants to be with daddy in the podcasting room or with mummy in bed. Aww, We're not going to be in the screen rooms. Either. You go with mummy or you stay with daddy. You choose. All right, she's gone to mummy. All right. All right, uh, so main event then was uh, Will Ospreay defeating Sonata in 60 minutes, 56 seconds via referee stoppage after some nasty 12 to 6 elbows. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved Kevin Kelly at the start of this having to explain... Sanada tapping is not actually him tapping. Sanada's got to stop doing that. You know how he does that when he's been putting a just like a basic submission move, like there's you know hammerlock, and he's like tapping, and right. it's not an actual submission. Don't, don't worry. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a, a really good match. It did. Oh, no, she's back. Go ahead, go ahead. Listen, you have a child to take care of. All right. Uh, so yeah, it's a good match. I thought it kind of fell a bit, fell apart a bit uh, towards the end. I thought the finish went down a bit like a fart in church. I could see what they were going for, but it just came across a bit weird. I think a lot of that actually was on Red Shoes, who should have called for the bell the first time he had to drag Osprey off Sonata, because you know, maybe this is just my MMA watching brain, but if the referee has to step in, because the, uh, the rest can't intelligently defend himself, that's the end that's of the it. match. That's a referee right. stoppage. But he did it, and then it was like, okay, no, keep wrestling. And it just it, it felt a bit off. Um, yeah, so... I, the. This strikes me as one of those ideas that Osprey has where he's explaining it to Sonata and so that's just like staring at him blankly and he's like, no, no, trust me, mate, it will look awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the direction they went anyway. And uh, yeah, he's calling up John Moxley after the match. Uh, so 
yeah, halfway. I suppose the the big thing everyone's talking about here is about halfway through the match, Osprey hit a standing shooting star press. Uh, the angles were wrong, uh, and it apparently broke Sonata's orbital bone. Hey. So. Would you, Damon, care to connect this in-ring mishap to wider concerns about Will Ospreay the man and, and suggest that perhaps all those things are linked? <laughs> Damon, any time that a wrestler accidentally hurts an opponent it is an unfortunate event. But, of course, when Ospreay does it, my brain's thinking, oh, let's, let's get a clip of this, get it up on Twitter, stir up some drama uh, before <laughs> you know, TV Asahi comes sniffing around. Because so I've got a matter of hours before the DMCA takedown. So let's see how many angry quote retweets we can get taking Will Ospreay to the woodshed. And uh, Damon, Twitter.com did not disappoint. I, I got some very good responsive. Yeah. Uh, in... Let me just... Yeah. Oh, uh, in retrospect, I think... I missed a trick by not including a defense of Osprey in the tweet. I think if I put in the tweet, like if I blame Sonada for being in the wrong position, then I think I could have got twice as much engagement on that. Maybe he lost a handful of followers, but that's never stopped me before. But anyway, Damon, the, <laughs> the peak of this was uh, getting th- this tweet picked up by a burner account oh. on, made on the same day, seemingly in response to this event. Okay. Uh, the Twitter handle was at is Osprey dead. Oh. Now, Damon, obviously, uh, obviously, at is Osprey dead came in with a very measured and, and uh, thoughtful analysis of the situation. Would, oh, you, right. would you care to have a guess where at is Osprey dead landed with his conclusion on who has room for improvement uh, following this unfortunate accident? <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> it's on you. <laughs> I was wondering that. I was wondering how many people would come in uh, making me, uh, Joel from Super Jcast, personally responsible for this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yes, uh, not surprisingly, Mm. Damon, uh, he he thought it was Osprey's fault. Yeah. Not only that, not content with taking aim at Will Osprey. At is Osprey dead, fired off. Maybe my favourite tweet throughout the year. And unfortunately, it's gone now because the account's been suspended. But. At Is Osprey Dead decided the, the gloves were off and he was going to take half of the New Japan payroll to task for various misdemeanors. So it's just like a tweet thread of various things that wrestlers have done wrong. I'm dying to hear um, how this was resolved because I'm sure it was resolved by cool heads. Actually, uh, you're, you're very good on the, on, the, on the Twitter. I'm sure you handled it very well. But yeah, um, no. It was a uh, it was a mishap in the ring. That's that's all I can say. All right? It was a mishap in the ring. They happen often. Now was was the was the maneuver uh, a, a tad bit reckless? Eh, maybe, maybe. But um, I would not say that there was intent, or was there uh, anything that would cause anyone to think. That Will Ospreay um, is a reckless pro wrestler. So there, there's that. Now, I think the bigger news and the bigger question that everyone listening to the show right now has is what in the fuck is going on in that apartment? Because uh, I'll have you know uh, that Joel uh, is going on this trip with, uh, what, 11-year-olds and, like, 11 of them? 11, 11-year-olds? Um, shockingly, he can't wait to go on this trip. <laughs> he can't wait. He thinks he's going to... He he says he's going to sleep 
on this fucking trip. Can you imagine just the chaos going on at home where he would say, I'm looking forward to this trip so I can sleep? Apparently, between us listeners, baby Arthur is uh, quite a hungry child and, uh, well, cries at night. Keeping uh, keeping our uh, the leader of the Super J cast, Joel, uh, many a sleepless night. So, um, oh, wait yeah. a minute, everyone, he's back. Do we need an edit there? No, I, I I said right here, right here and there. I said we're not editing. I said I'll just go on and talk. Now I did say, and uh, you she tell me if this bit. is. I was doing a bit, Damon, and Esther fucked it up. <laughs> Ruined your bed? Oh, I, I was reading out the tweet thread of the year, and that was ruined. I know. Well, listen. Hopefully, we built some anticipation. But I did. Dis- I did disclose that uh, you're going on this trip, and you told me that you were so looking forward to it because of uh, the lack of sleep you're getting at home. Uh, Spannerhead says, because of his skull being cold, does that increase or decrease the healing time for Sonata? Uh, ah. Yeah. What do you think of the match and the incident? And all that shit. <laughs> well, I, I did briefly address the incident, and uh, I said uh, I highly doubt that uh, – I said, one, the, the move was a little reckless, right? I think we can agree with that, right, Joel? A little reckless? Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you land that move, you want to be – you don't want to be parallel to them because otherwise that's going to happen. You want to sort of catch them across the midriff rather than <laughs> having your knee in their face. Correct. All right. So th- So that's that. Uh, two, was there any uh, malcontent? Not malcontent. Is that the word I'm looking for? That's certainly not the word. Malice. Malice. That's a good word. Um, in Involved in this? I, I would say certainly not. Would you agree with me, Joel? Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone was accusing her of doing it on purpose. Okay. But a lot of people, I think, you know, who di- who uh, tend to dislike Australia were like, oh, he's such a dangerous, reckless dangerous worker. Record. You know, he's, he's concussed Ibushi, and now this has happened. So... Yeah. Well, uh, I would say, um, I mean, of all, I mean, he's had. <laughs> I mean, there's. Let's put it this way: no one uh, has ever mentioned Will Osprey in uh, wrestlers who they are fearful of working with and or unwilling to because of his unsafe pro wrestling style. So, there's that. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Let's talk about Friday, March 18th in Korakuen Hall. Oh, oh yeah, also, uh, John Moxley versus Will Ospreay is official mm. for Windy City Riot. So Sold out. Yeah. I think there, I think the last time I checked, there was like 30 tickets left, and there were just scattered seats. So 
That's going to be a hot show. When's that? April, like April 13th or something like that. That is going to be a fucking great pro wrestling show. So uh, those of you in the Chicago land, excellent, excellent job. Um, and, and here's the thing. You book it and they will come, right? They will. I mean, you, you book good shit and, and you and you announce it in advance and uh, you have a hot lineup. Mm, these things happen. So good job from good. Jo- Here's the thing. We're, we're, we're quick to wag a finger, but we're also quick to praise. So this was a win all the way around. Well done. So seventh match on this Corican show, Shingo Takagi defeating Chase Owens uh, in 16 minutes, 41 seconds with Last of the Dragon. So they had this little story going into it. Shingo said he was going to beat Chase in five minutes, which obviously he didn't. But I thought there was a really good opening from Chase, particularly sequence of moves on the outside with the, the Russian leg sweep on the apron. Like there's nothing flashy about Chase, but it's all very well timed, very well executed. And, and it's cohesive. Like he picks his moments well. Like, you know, normally something like a Death Valley driver is nothing special, but when it's done... 10 minutes into this match on the outside where he's been working over Shingo's neck for the entire thing, he, he gets a, a good reaction. And uh, I, I still think people underrate him as a wrestler. Me too. It's not, it's not a coincidence that he was given a big Korakuen semi-main event against Shingo Takagi. Uh, I thought the selling from the superplex was uh, extremely good and funny with Shingo looking like he'd been electrocuted. And then uh, they went into the elbow exchange. The crowd really got into this. Like, this was a great crowd tonight. It was a crowd that had, like, basically had enough of the, the clapping and they just wanted to make some noise. Like it almost felt like a proper Korakuen crowd. Like there, there was definitely a crowd of fellas there. You could notice who just enough of the clap crowd bullshit and, and God bless them. Um, yeah. The knee counting into the made in Japan was a great spot. And we, we talk a lot about protective finishes. Like Chase's package power driver has been built up so well as instant death that just when he teased it, when he just sort of lifted Shingo up a little bit, people were losing their minds in Korakuen. Yeah. And, and, you know, the wrestlers were feeding off that energy. It just it felt different. Like we, we discussed earlier, it had that special atmosphere that we haven't felt really since early 2020. So, uh, yeah, Shingo wins. One little caveat to having these tournaments is the way that some wrestlers who go deep in the tournaments, they start to take these quote-unquote injuries, like kayfabe injuries with them into the latter stages of the tournament, which builds interesting wrinkles and, and stories into the matches, which I think is something we've got with Shingo going forward. So, yeah, I thought this was good. That was real good. And and uh, just, I mean, Shingo's great. We, we, we don't have to praise him or throw flowers at him. I think everybody knows this. Um, but Chase, I, I feel like, is maybe one of the most underrated guys on that roster. And he's not like title worthy. Like I would never put a fucking belt on him. And that's not to say that, you know, that's, that's a, that's a wacky idea, but he is who he is. He is a undercard shitty heel, right? That works really well. <laughs> like, like he's really good and he's good at what he does. And he's good at his role uh, on the card. Like he is just, he's, he's perfect. I don't expect classics from him, nor should anyone. But every time he's in the ring, he's solid every time he's, you know, and you could argue that, okay, aren't there a lot of people like that? And I don't know. Like, I just feel like he does that role of probably pin eater in, in a lot of scenarios, but gets a, just enough to make you think that, okay, maybe this is going to be something wacky. 
And again, you mentioned it, that that package pile, pile. Like the people fucking have been conditioned and and educated to the fact that yes, if he hits it, it's fucking lights out. That's good. That's good. He can he can eat all the pins he wants. As long as he gets sneaks in that fucking that pile or the attempt of and and you know there's hope, right? There's there's a chance that that Chase gets the win. Um nah, I think he's good. I'm sorry. I think he's good. Uh, hey, let's put it this way. If Chase Owens didn't have Chase Owens's body, Chase Owens would be bigger. Right? I don't think I'm out, yeah. of, out, out of line with that. Oh, no, it's no secret that New Japan and I think Bushiroad in general are big body guys. You know, it, 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 if you've got those sort of matinee idol good looks, then chances are you're you're going straight to the top. Yeah, it helps. So you know, listen, some people just can't just can't get rid of that extra five. Actually, uh, the last five is the hardest part, Joel. You know, the last five is the hardest part. <laughs> Anybody could lose twenty pounds, lose the extra five. Um, and, you know, he's got the Shawn Michaels. You know, this is not a – I feel like this has turned into a criticism of body shaming Chase Owens. This is not what this is. Um, but, again, you, we all get the point, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> Esther is now sitting on the bed next to me. She's come back, and she's got two dummies in her mouth. Okay. And is having a conversation with a pillow. So, uh, oh, yeah, welcome boy. to my life. Uh, main event was Hiromu Takahashi defeating Evil. 15 minutes, 52 seconds, using Evil's own finishing move on him. Uh, and, and at the start here, Hiromu's looking serious. There's no wackiness. Uh, and him preemptively attacking Evil before the match even started really sold this bad blood between them. It was, it was a tremendous opening that showed you that Hiromu's still seething over the betrayal two years ago. And, and Kevin and Chris did a great job with that too. The little nuggets such as, uh, you know, Naito helped to fill in Evil's application form for the animal Hamaguchi Gim. Gim? Jim. Uh, Evil was great in this match as well, actually. I thought the, the wild bumps that he took from those Irish rip, Irish, I can't speak this. Are you Irish okay? Whips into Are you okay? Are you having a stroke? Oh, brain damage. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this was miles better than their last singles match. I think Evil's really starting to grow into this role and show a bit more of the flashes of the, the arsehole bully that he was back in LIJ. And likewise, I think Hiromu tapped back into his 2017 spirit with that wild uh, and reckless streak that I think we seldom seen in recent years when I think he was perhaps working a more sort of generic New Japan main event style that wasn't what made Hiromu special to the fans initially. And I thought Hiromu came across like a huge star here. Like he had answers to all of Evil's tricks and... And I think, for me at least, the worm's starting to turn with House of Torture. We, we've had to suffer through nearly two years of horseshit, but I think the evil matches at least are, are vastly improved this year. Like, they're actually doing some interesting things to play off of and, and subvert the usual spots in a, a dramatic way. And you know, I'm not defending them previously copy-pasting said spots into oblivion for the last 18 months, but you do wonder if having those spots seared into our consciousness with almost Pavlovian conditioning doesn't make it all that bit more thrilling when a guy counters it. Like they, they figured out how to do the underdog against the odds match without making the, the baby face look like a fucking idiot. And That's they're not the doing the bots and tropes in every match. They're changing it up a bit. Evil's using his wrestling more. And he's doing a lot of really good work this year that, that might otherwise go unnoticed. Like he's working really hard to make his opponents look good. He did it for Tamatonga in the previous round. He did it for Hiromu here. Like, a lot of big bumps. He was flying around the ring for Hiromu. 
a lot of very visceral growling and roaring in this match that added to the drama. Uh, Evil losing his cool and, and getting visibly frustrated. And I thought the finish was perfect, like using Evil's own finisher against him. The crowd just lost their minds. They audibly popped. Chris Charlton was screaming. Like, it was a really great moment. And, you know, Evil even continued his final after the bell when Hiron was doing his post-match promo in the ring because Evil's there and the camera's zoomed up on his face and his face is, like, contorted with fury. And I'm really sold how bitter this loss was. It, and it felt like a really big moment. Uh, and, you know, it was so good. Like, Manabu texted me afterwards saying, like, New Japan is back. And it was a, a, a real we're back moment, wasn't it? It did feel like it. And it was a surprise. And it felt good. And it it did feel like that all the the suffering, I put in air quotes, that we've done with House of Torture, this is your this is a, a payoff moment. And we've seen that a bit more and more each and every month. And each time it's just as satisfying as the last. This one even even more. Um, because I don't think many people people had hoped uh that we would have you know, some glimmer of Hiromu going deep and or you know, just getting past evil would be would, was was a was would be joyous, and he did that. Uh, and he and he played a courageous junior heavyweight to perfection, and he did you know kind of not kind of he did defend Lij's honor, and he acted like a guy who was still scorned by evil. Um, leaving Lij the way that he did, and he and he and he did beat evil with his own fucking move, and all the the interference was was thwarted, even in the beginning. You know when you know Hiromu was always one step ahead of of, of Dick Togo. Um, look, I'm not saying that I'm here for for the House of Torture. Uh, by no stretch of the imagination, but I'm here for House of Torture in this type of role. It's perfect. Did we have to have all that we had before? I, I don't know. I don't know. D- does that make the, the the fruit even sweeter now that that it seems like you know people have found a way to get one up on them? Maybe. And does it feel sweeter knowing that in the very near future, Bullet Club will have their own little, you know, not little, but probably big um, internal strife and civil war or whatever you want to fucking call it, you know, and and he'll be in that. And that's a perfect that's, you know, that's a perfect scenario for a guy like Evil and, and, and a lot of those guys that are mid to upper mid card guys in Bullet Club. That kind of helps make you feel like what you talked about before between Hiromo getting a humongous win and having a great moment in the New Japan Cup to um, Evil feeling like, okay, some of the steam is being let out of his main event spot um, and the the wheels churning on on Bullet Club and, and again, that civil war. It, it feels like the pieces are falling into place. In, in, in better places that we we can all stomach and enjoy. Um, again, there's a place for anything in pro wrestling, whether it's a junior match, whether it's death match, whether it's whatever. I mean, that's fine, you know. But it's got to be in the right spot. Um, and I feel like we're we're starting to find a sweet spot with House of Torture. House of Torture can be fine, you know, if used properly. Um, 
Did did we need all that we had before to get to where we are today? Again, the, the fruit being as sweet as it is. Maybe, maybe, you know, you don't get, you know, you don't get diamonds without pressure, right? Well, maybe this is it. Maybe to get diamonds, we need to be uncomfortable for a little bit. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's the case. We all got words, Damon. We're a bunch of marks. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> to the Sunday show in Niigata, so tournament matches, we had Tetsuya Naito defeated Jeff Cobb, 19 minutes and four seconds with the roll-up. Uh, you know, we talked uh, before about how Naito has gone back to his Rudo roots, uh, which, yeah, he was doing more of there. But I also enjoyed seeing Jeff Cobb giving a bit of it back and his sort of shit-eating grins and mocking the tranquilo taunt and teasing the the smashing Naito into Kevin Kelly's table and then telling Kevin to tranquilo. I thought that was really good. And I, lo- I like Osprey supporting ringside like a birth partner, you know, cheering them on. Like, go on, go on, Jeff, push, push. But yeah, this is a terrific match. I thought it was up there with a, maybe a, a bit better than the Wrestle Kingdom match, actually. Incredibly smooth. You know, people keep waiting for Naito to slow down and, you know, he's always knees, his knees. But he, to me, he looks as good as ever. If, he, you know, I, I, I can't see any sign of injury or, or slowing down at all. He's just a, an excellent professional wrestler. Finish was really great here as well with a Destino counting into the Tour of the Islands. You think, oh, Jeff's got him, but then counting again into a roll-up. There's a great sort of back-and-forth bit of drama there. You know, it, it wasn't the usual finishing sequence reversal dance that can look a bit goofy. I thought this one looked really, really good. And, uh, yeah, still no Destino used by uh, Naito in this tournament. Mm. So he's saving it for something, Damon. But uh, I wonder who he's saving it for. But, yeah, what do you think of Naito against Cobb? I thought it was good, um, I, I, and I did like that finish a lot. I like the fact that, yeah, you did feel like, okay, looks like Naito's eating this one, um, and this is going to be Jeff Cobb's year. Um, the knee, once again, I don't think it took a took a brain surgeon to figure out that the knee was going to play a factor here, right? Um, yeah, Naito looks, uh, to me, looks like, a guy who, and I, again, I don't know if it's physical therapy. I don't know if it's uh, miracle doctors. I don't know if you know if it's a uh, quarter, whatever it is. He does seem a lot more is flexible. The word I want to say, mobile. I don't know. He does look like he's he's refreshed, like physically. So, yeah. I like these two a lot, though. I think these two work really well together. I don't think this is. I think they still have more in the tank. Like I don't think they. I don't think that we've seen the best match, and I'm sure we'll see another match with theirs, with those two. Yeah, uh, I think maybe Jeff's gonna get a win at some point because that's twice he's lost tonight. Huh? You would think. You would think. But um, there goes our there goes our brackets. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> that's where that went. But again, we're going all in. I and I and I'm not gonna lie. Kind of like it. Not kind of like it. I really like it. Let's let's go. Mount Rushmore it. Let's fucking do it. Main event here was Kazuchika Okada defeating Shima in 20 minutes, 52 seconds via Rainmaker. So, of course, the big story in here is the Ultimo Dragon connection, who trained both of them. Uh, Shima trying to take out Okada with a variety of flavors of Meteora, but he was unable to land the raw Meteora, the one without the knee pads. Uh, I don't think Okada was ever really in trouble here. I don't think many people thought Shima had a chance, uh, which somewhat affected the drama. So it felt more to me like a sort of cool cross-promotion exhibition match, like a dream match, but mm-hmm. a really good one nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I thought this was very good. Yeah, it was good. Um, 
like I said, this were different times, different scenario, different place. This, you know, this would have been a big building. One of them would have saw this match. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was a little disappointed in it. Um, again, maybe I'm just thinking if this were X amount of years ago, this would have been really, really fucking good. Um, but good nonetheless. Um, yeah, but I don't think there was any surprise, right? No, I mean, I was surprised that we will be getting in the semifinals Okada against Naito again, which I didn't think they were going to go back to so soon, but this is what we're getting it. Uh, you know, I said at the top, maybe they just need to sell tickets for Osaka Joe Hall, but how do you see that semifinal going down? <sighs> Good question. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that your champion's going to win, you know, or they're going to wait to have Okada lose in the finals, I mean, to set up a challenger. Mm. Yeah, it does feel that they sort of book themselves into a bit of a corner in that regard. So I'm trying to find a tweet. Someone laid it out quite well. Um, yeah, so it's Andrew, Andrew Laws, who said, Naito beating Okada, then losing the final makes the most sense. If Okada wins the cup, no legitimate contenders. If Okada loses the final, one legitimate contender, but just a repeat of the tournament final. If Naito beats Okada, then loses in the final two legitimate contenders. So, yeah, yeah it does mean that I, I think Naito winning is the most likely outcome, but then Naito loses to whoever's going through on the other side of the bracket. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, if, if Naito's winning, I think Naito's losing the final. Um Again, only 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 because it it does do what you did. The math now you now you have two solid contenders for uh, future title matches, and and of which both will be really good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Okay, so then that brings us to yesterday's show in Niigata, and the first tournament match was uh, was it Zach and Will. Listed- was Zach and Will first, or was it Shingo and Hiromu? Shingo and Hiromu. Shingo, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, Shingo Takagi defeating Hiromu. Twenty-three minutes, forty-three seconds by Last of the Dragon. Uh, I'll let you go first here, Damon. So Louis says, "How nail biting was that Hiromu versus Shingo match?" For a second there, I believed in the possible Naito versus Hiromu match we were promised pre-pandemic. I did too. <laughs> I hate to say it, I did too, and I was rooting pretty hard for him, which was. You know, I'm a big Shingo guy, so. Um, but just, yeah, just just to have that happen would be pretty tremendous. Um, it makes sense. To me, it makes sense. I love the match. I thought the match was fucking great. I thought both matches. I thought both matches were spectacular. I really enjoyed both of them. Um, but, yeah, they work well together. They they, they have a great chemistry. Um LIJ connect, you know, the LIJ connection made it even more interesting. You know, look, if you here's my point though. If you weren't going to go all in on Hiromo, Shingo's has to win here, right? Like if you weren't like if you're not gonna have Hiromo go that far and then lose, oh, I guess you could. That might be pretty good too. Ah, I don't know. I was rooting pretty hard. I, I can't say I was disappointed because I thought the match was really good, but um yeah, I think everybody on their couch was sitting there fucking thinking, oh, we're, th- we're this close. And uh, yeah, but yeah, I think they did the right thing. Yeah, I, you know, I talked about this at the end of last week's pod about them 
going all the way with Hiromu as the, the dark horse in this tournament. So I'd sort of uh, convince myself after he beat Evil that's like, ah, oh, they're going all the way with him. This is it. It's, it's Hiromu's time. So yeah, I was disappointed that he didn't win. Uh, we got it was a yeah really good match. That frenzied Hiromu assault from the bell. He, he quickly went for Shingo's knees. Then Shingo resuming his. It was like back to his 2019 role when he was the junior bully who could outmuscle all his opponents. Maybe a side of him that we lost when he moved up to heavyweight. Uh, you know, it made me regret that we didn't have Hiromu around for that year's best of the Super Junior when Shingo and Osprey were tearing it up. Uh, so, yeah, Hiromu, again, I felt he's, he's more tapping into his post-excursion, high-tempo, high-risk style. And, yeah, I, I feel that's something he lost when he became the dominant junior ace over the last couple of years, but now he's getting back into it. So... I do wish Shingo showed a little bit more attitude here. Like, he, he had the demeanor of a professional out there doing a job. I was hoping he'd be a little bit more of a prick. But, uh, yeah, there we go. Like, it was a really good match. I was upset that Hiromu didn't win. But uh, I never really felt the magic. I never really got the feeling that Hiromu was going to win. It, it felt to me that Shingo was just comfortably in control throughout most of the match, aside from a few token Hiromu comebacks. But, uh, yeah, Shingo goes through to the semis, uh, which brings us on to the main event, which was Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Will Ospreay in 23 minutes, 4 seconds, with his finishing move, selected Technical Works Volume 2. Um, so, yeah, you go first, Evan. What do you think? So, I I think the, both these guys, uh, to me, this this was fucking fantastic. Um, just, like, just like what you described earlier, where um, Will will do crazy shit right and stuff that's that's um it, you know just just one bat shit move after another where and then will will counter it right nowhere. and you know it's coming but it always surprises you um i'm telling you flat out that spot where it's and i can't even describe it but i'll just call it the multiple reversal pin uh, that was not only flawlessly done, like it was smooth as silk. Uh, that might have been my favorite sequence in all of 2020 so far, right? And maybe even the past year. I cannot, I could, I was just, I rewound it like three times because I was just like, what? How are they, how are they on the same page? Is what I want to know. Uh, and again, to do it so effortless, effortlessly and um, easily, I like the fact that the finish was surrounded by a little bit of controversy, a bit of controversy, and, and the tap, and he didn't tap. Um, it's funny that they mentioned Sonata. Maybe, maybe the Sonata thing was something to fucking clue you in and just to kind of get that in your head. Uh, that 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 might be the case, but even Will that I saw, you know, still complaining about red shoes and calling him shit and everything. It's pretty funny. Um, no, I love these two together. I think they they work magically. And again, just that one spot, man, fucking blew me away. Like I'll 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 take that to my grave. That spot. Um, I thought it was one of the most creative pinning sequences I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, there was a lot of good misdirection in this match. Uh, we saw Zach dominating early, out wrestling Osprey. Osprey's taking a powder to the side, and, and Osprey saying he, he was calling to the United Empire guys outside. He said, "Boys, help!" Like he didn't know what to do. And right. uh, then you know, get back into it. The superior power. 
uh, started selling his left knee, uh, which is something like, when he starts doing that, I was just like, uh-oh, uh-oh, my sort of, my selling fetishist senses go off. And I'm like, okay, is he going to follow this up? And he did in the end. The fact that it played into the finish again with that sort of immediate tap out thing. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the tap out controversy grows, goes, uh, we have some questions on there. Uh, Juanito says, did Osprey tap? And Mark says, any possibility they're setting up a three-way for either New Japan Cup final or a future world title match with this phantom tap malarkey? I mean, I suspect it's going to be something with the, the Rev Pro title. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, look, one, I think we're guaranteed a rematch of some kind. Rev Pro title might be a, the, the spot for that, right? That might be a, that might be the the, the smart thing. Um, but yeah, I think it, it definitely gives both those guys a little singles program to work on. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I thought it was a really good finish. Um, I think the right man won. I think Zach's got a lot of upside as a baby face. I didn't, I, I mean, I thought this was a really, really great match. I didn't love it as much as last year's, but still pretty great. I mean, the bar is very high with these two. Uh, Elliot says, do you agree that Osprey has dramatically improved his selling? I thought it was really consistent throughout the Zach match with having to modify things because of his knee. Um, I think early in his career, there was a legitimate you know, question about his selling ability, right? And I mean early in his career, which he consistently year after year improved upon and improved upon and improved upon. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's really a big concern. It's not a concern of mine anymore, to be honest. It's it, and 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 it really wasn't for the longest time. Um, I think there's people that like his style and people who don't. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Um, if you, I don't, I don't have a problem with this selling. Yeah, I'm just glad that it paid into the finish, that it didn't just get blown off here. So that was a nice payoff to that. Uh, so in the semifinals on the right side of the bracket, we're going to have Shingo Takagi against Zack Sabre Jr. So mm-hmm. very strong final four. Uh, who do you think wins between Shingo and Zack? Because <sighs> they're one and one, I suppose, in their recent history. Zack got the G1 win and then Shingo got the... Uh, the world title match win. Yeah. Do you think they do Shingo Naito? Do you think they would do that for a final? I th- they they could. I mean, I think it's a great match. We missed out on it in the G1 because of Naito's injury. I remember a lot of people absolutely loved their match that they had in the 2019 G1. And LIJ versus LIJ, I think that is a, a, a really sexy match for a final. Um, but that said, there's also this narrative in the story with the Naito Zack Sabre Jr. rematch, where of course uh, that's where Naito injured his knee in the G1, and so that's got that going for it as well. So, what's more uh, buzzworthy? I, I suppose it comes down to who do you think is going to win the whole tournament? Because I don't think it will be Naito, because um, then you, you still only have one challenger. Shingo. So, are we going to go to Shingo Okada again after they had a Wrestle Kingdom? I mean, for me, I, w- I would love to see. Zach uh, Okada again. Okay, so oh, there's four names. Which one, again, on the New Japan Pro Wrestling pecking order is fourth? Zach, because he's yeah. the only one that's never won the world title. Right. I don't know. If we're, if we're going with the narrative of all in, is the sexiest match Shingo Naito? Never been done. Right. Uh, apart from the 2019 G1. Correct. Correct. Uh, yeah. 
That is go the sexy match. I think that's that's going to sell tickets. That will do good numbers. Um, but then who wins? Like which, you know, we're going to have Okada Naito for a third time within the space of a few months. I mean, I know Booz Leprechaun made a very salient point earlier in the, the year saying that this was going to be the big trilogy, and I agreed with that. I just didn't think it was going to be front loaded <laughs> so right. heavily into the you know the first four months of the year. Yeah, but here's the thing, like, what's great about it is, is that in any of those options, even if they went with Zach, is anybody complaining about that? (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. I suppose we are ruling out the possibility of Okada just winning the whole tournament and then... Make him challenge to somebody. Maybe his own challenger. I mean, we saw that he, he wrestled for the title, defended the title against at Sumo Hall Kenny five Omega years ago. Kenny Omega walks out. <laughs> he walks out. Shibata. Shibata. Shibata walks out. Yeah. And they get stared at him. Shibata walk out. Kenny hand in hand, holding each other's hands. Shibata and Kenny kissing. Kiss me. They make out. They make out in the ring. And then Okada says, hey, what the fuck? You're supposed to be. And then Okada makes out with Kenny. And then they all fuck in the ring. And then the lights go down. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> We're off the fucking rails. Um, okay, okay, so Okada wins. And who does he challenge then? Then, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Mister Know-It-All Joel. What, what does he do then? Jay White, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's. I mean, but it's, I feel like Jay White's going to have his hands full of other shit. But look, here's what the good news is: for the first time in a long fucking time, we're sitting here with multiple options, pretty great options in any case, right? And that feels good, right? That fucking feels great to finally have something like that to be like, okay. These these two matches are going to are going to roll, and then a final is going to roll, and then where the fuck do we go from here? So I'm all in. I think it's great. If you're not on board, you want to be listening to this shit. If you weren't, but <laughs> now's the time to get excited. That's all I gotta say. Now's the time to get excited. Let's touch on the Bullet Club stuff. So there was a, an update from Voices of Wrestling. So you, you go to their Patreon, pay ten dollars for the full report. Some really interesting stuff in there. I will just quote one paragraph, uh, which is laying out the Bullet Club's feud for, for this year. The angle will have plenty of twists and turns with multiple sub-factions forming in what will be an all-out Bullet Club civil war. The story will unfold across multiple promotions with Good Brothers and Chris Bay of Impact Wrestling, Hikaleo of New Japan Strong, and the elite in AEW all playing a role. Where everyone eventually lands is still up in the air, with this being described as an evolving storyline with outside factors, pandemic travel, pandemic travel outside promotions playing a role i was told to expect heavy interference and heat from all sides even more than what we've seen in house of torture bouts in the eventual matches the idea is that this will be a wild storyline with constant turns betrayals and general chaos now uh, that might turn a lot of people off but honestly sign me up for that it sounds like a ton of fun like it sounds a lot better than their last attempt at the civil war in 2018 and and yeah people might 
balk at the interference idea. But I mean, if they're doing all the interference and horseshit against each other, then it's right. a game, isn't it? And, and, you know, I like how Gorillas of Destiny and Jada were the first casualties because it gives them the spotlight for a while. We can gradually escalate to bigger things and very smart to keep the plans loose so you can adapt to the changing situations. And, you know, hell, you might even want to bring in a few free agents here and there to, to join the story. And, you know, other people might chuckle at the get the heat boys aspect of, you know, Ghetto and Jado and Dick Togo high-fiving each other. Anyone who watched Evil versus Tamatonga and Evil versus Hiromu cannot deny that it's getting heat. Like people in the building were losing their minds at, at even Jado getting betrayed. Jado, people were excited about that. So, Man. you know, I think you keep this thing at a gentle simmer, gradually build it, and if you can time the angle to really pop off in time for cheering to be allowed, it'll be fucking huge. Like imagine if they could time the Jay White return and, and the bust up with Evil for a big show with cheering. Yeah. You know, that will be incredible. And, and tying it in with the US-based feuds is smart. Like, they've got their own little multiverse going on. Uh, you know, a match like Gorillas of Destiny against Good Brothers, it might sound like hell to a lot of people, but that's a big match for casual US fans. And, you know, something I, I didn't really talk about, we, we talked about Killer Cross making an appearance. The same goes for that as well. You know, we might think it stinks, but I can guarantee there'll be a sizable chunk of NXT watchers who loved his NXT title reign, pissed off how he was treated on the main roster, and have seen him signed to, to face this mythical Suzuki guy and are, and are going to check it out. So I think there's a lot of upside for, for casual US viewers here. And, and going back to Bullet Club, you cannot deny that even the Japanese fans, they're massively into it when the baby face overcomes the odds. And, and obviously they can't do that every time, but can you imagine the pop when someone finally defects back over to the good team? So yeah, we've got a lot of interesting things coming out of this. Um, yeah, what, what do you think about this upcoming Bullet Club Civil War? I don't think we could ask for anything more, right? We're, we're, what we're getting is the, the best of pro wrestling in the sense of, or let me take that back. We're getting the best of Western pro wrestling uh, with angles and dips and trips and storyline and, you know, little breadcrumbs spread all throughout all these different promotions. Um, it's, I, look, I think it's going to be fun. It's it, and here's the thing: if it's not your cup of tea, know that it's not necessarily going to bleed over into an Okada title run, or or you know, or or the shit that you really like about pro, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I, look, I think it's fantastic. I, um, I think I think if done properly, it it will be compelling and fun, and not for nothing. Uh, ask anyone, casual, non-casual, people know what the fuck the Bullet Club is. They may not be able to name every fucking member. They might not be able to tell you, uh, 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 you know, ever every fucking guy that's ever been in. But they know Bullet Club, um, and the idea that it's it is going to be a part of AEW. Impact, New Japan, strong, and whoever else wants to fucking get involved. Um, a, it's I think it'll be creative. B, I think it'll be plenty of twists and turns. And C, I think it'll be fucking fun pro wrestling. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, likewise. And there's just a lot of fresh new situations emerging. Uh, Bash says, how strange is it to see Tama and G.O.D.? And uh, Jado with a Hontai group just feels so odd to, to me after seeing Tamit in Bullet Club for so long. Uh, 
Uh, they say change is scary, but I guess I have to get used to it. And Frank says, who else is going to join Gorillas of Destiny and Team 6 or 9? I know who can turn things in their favour. To quote our awesome announcer, Kevin Kelly, hey, look, it's Honma. Um, Phil says, what's a weird little faction G.O.D., Tama uh, and the 69ers are? Who completes it? So, yeah, what do you think about this little emerging group of uh, uh, Gorillas of Destiny with uh, Watto and Taguchi? I don't even know if it, if it lasts. And I, and I will say that it does look strange and it does feel strange, but it's quite heartwarming, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I love oh, that. I did, this is not something I expected to see or wanted to see, but I like it. Yeah, because because it's different. Because because you didn't expect it to say it. Um, yeah, it feels so fresh and different that that yeah, there there is that. But again, in in the uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh, oh, this is God, <laughs> All right? Let, let's not trust the snake. Uh, so again, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, for right now, because it feels so weird and out of place, and 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 uh, it's oddly uh, heartwarming, <laughs> dare I say. Okay, I need to get ready to go yes. for work on my trip. So let's close it there. Uh, redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast if you want to give some money to us. A Discord link you can get if you send me a direct message on Twitter at Cobra Kawaii and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast for our t-shirts. Thank you to editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network for other great shows. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.